24 Cross Media. And welcome to episode three of TCB with HW3. This is your host, HW3, and I am here to take you on an adventure of all things Elvis Presley. A lot has transpired since episode two. Uh, I've made my my trip, my, my pilgrimage to my personal mecca, that of Memphis, Tennessee, and Graceland. And if I say my cup runneth over, I would be understating this trip. Wow, what a good time. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, we flew into Memphis on Friday afternoon and took in a ball game downtown. And Saturday morning, it all began. Uh, got up nice and early, took a shuttle over from our hotel to what is a absolutely um sensory overload of Elvis in the Elvis Presley's Graceland portion of the uh, tour. You start off at the ticket booth. You, you land your ticket for a uh, bold $79.95. We actually, we were trying to buy a, a VIP package, which was sold out, ended up getting the uh, $79.95 package. And I can tell you if you are going down, other than a neck lanyard uh, with a little tag on it uh, with a picture of Elvis for seventy nine ninety five, you get everything. Um, so unless you really want that neck lanyard, which you could probably buy in a gift shop, uh, you're not missing out on anything. We were led into a little room uh, off to the side where we watched a five minute introductory film on Elvis. Again, if you if you're at Graceland and you don't know why you're at Graceland, um, <laughs> there's a lot to be said about that. You know couple of people made a couple of wisecracks about the movie. We were all laughing amongst ourselves. And then we boarded a little shuttle bus, which took us out of the complex down the driveway to Elvis Presley Boulevard across the street. And there it was the gates of Graceland. And I videoed the entire, uh, it's about a two minute and 40 second drive going across and up the driveway. And, I, the only way I can put it is it's, you're driving into another world when you cross those gates. It is a beautiful piece of property. You go up a hill, lots of beautiful trees, uh, lush grass, and there's the mansion. Um, it is a mansion. It is smaller than what you might envision a mansion being, but it is a very large home nonetheless. And I have to tell you, when I took a step off the bus and, actually touched down on that hallowed property. I was um, in a complete different uh, different state, different world. Uh, we waited in line for maybe a brief 10 or 15 minutes until it was our group's turn to go in, and they bring you up into the front porch of Graceland, and they give you a little backstory on the mansion and when he built it, or I'm sorry, when he bought it and how much he paid for it. And that front door opens, and you take a step in, and... If I could say um, overwhelmed with uh, emotion, uh, again, a, a huge understatement. We walked in, and 
it's everything you see in the pictures, but so much more because you can really feel a presence there. There's a um, beautiful, the living room is on the right. Dining room is on the left, that big staircase, all done in bright royal blue and gold. Um, it just oozes that 70s, that that Elvis persona, that over-the-top, larger-than-life um, persona that Elvis uh, carried. And uh, you go through the tour. Uh, beautiful Again, you go through each section of the house. You see the kitchen, the jungle room, the TV room, uh, the pool room. And you end up in the backyard, and it is still a working stable. There is a good piece of acreage behind the house where there are horses still, but there were benches um, in the backyard off to the, if you're facing the house, off to the right side. And I got to sit and sat for quite a while, I'd say about a good half an hour, and just took in the fact that I'm sitting in the backyard of the greatest entertainer in the world, obviously opinion, my opinion, and all those years, you know, again, if you've listened to the first couple episodes, it's been a 30-year voyage, 30-year journey for me that um, have all those emotions swimming around in my head. And George, who's sitting across the table from me now, running the board, asked me, you know, how I felt. And I said, you know, there's a section of my heart that was always dedicated to Elvis and his music and... Uh, everything, everything, including Elvis, and that that section of my heart was now complete. That I actually felt um, full. I felt just, you know, I felt uh, satisfied. I felt everything I could, everything I could want to and more uh, at that point. And it was awesome. I mean, you're sitting there, and it's his house, and you can picture him playing football out back with the guys driving golf carts out in the uh, horse fields, riding the horses back there, uh, shooting ranges back there. There's plenty of ammo that they pulled out of the bricks and the dirt in the one room that they did use for target practice, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, Vernon's office is back there. His racquetball court was also back there. And then you make the journey up the up a sidewalk to the meditation garden. And the first thing you encounter is a very large um, crucifix cross, and it says Presley on the bottom, and that was originally from Forest Hill Cemeteries when um, they were going to be burying the bodies uh, there. And because of grave robbing attempts, they brought the bodies back to Graceland. And um, as you go around, George is looking at me. The Gre- Elvis's body was originally in a mausoleum, and within the first two weeks of being interned there, they had multiple attempts at grave robbing, so they figured it was safer to get him back on hallowed ground and bring him back to Graceland. And you walk around the meditation garden pool, and you see his brother, Jesse Garren's tombstone, who was um, stillborn. Um, he was born about a half hour before Elvis. And then you have his mother. Uh, then you have his father. And then you have Elvis. And then Elvis's grandmother. And um, very, very somber, very solemn, very quiet. Um, you hear that water trickling. There is a beautiful eternal flame above his um, tomb. And I was able to you know, squat down a little bit and lean, lean over the railing and touch the grave. And got that on picture. Got a picture of that. And it was uh, awesome. 
I mean, I don't know what, what other words to use besides that. I felt the greatest, uh, paying the greatest respect to somebody who means a lot to me. And it's funny, you know, you never met the man and he died when you were a year old. How would you know? Well, it's what his music and what his life has brought to mind that made this trip so important. And then after that, we did stay in Meditation Garden for a while and just stayed quiet and paid our respects and made it back out to the front of Graceland, took a few more pictures, back, boarded back on the van, and went back across the street and began to trek through the many, many uh, museums and exhibits they had with his cars and his um, clothing, the jumpsuits, his military stuff. Um, there's a whole section that, which I thought was pretty cool, that was called Elvis the Icon and how he affected, and it was about how he affected other entertainers. So the whole section was other entertainers' clothing that they had worn in model of Elvis and Buddy Holly had a, there was a suit of Buddy Holly's there. James Brown, um, right up to modern day entertainers, uh, there was Reba McIntyre, Dolly Parton, um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson wore a um, very Aloha from Hawaii esque jumpsuit, and that thing is monstrous. <laughs> figuring it's going covering the body of a six foot six muscle bound man. Um, and then we took a break, we had some lunch and we made our way down to the plains. Um, if you haven't been in the South in the, and it's not really the summer yet, but it's warm. The humidity down there is, um, incredible, absolutely incredible sweltering and being a big guy, uh, we had to stop. We paused, we had a drink. We went down and saw the plains, which are very cool. I would say out of the whole, um, tour, you know, the planes are starting to look a little worn. Um, again, it's a very small aisle you walk down as you pass through the plane, and you've got to figure thousands pass through there during the day. The carpets are getting a little, it's dated, and it's looking a little worn. I'm sure maybe at some point they'll do a little bit of renovation, refresh it, bring it back to its uh, former luster. But as I sat on the bench waiting for the hotel shuttle to come back, um, Jimmy, my buddy that went with me and I, who will also be on the show next week to talk about his experience, um, sat there and just took it all in and just were grateful, grateful and thankful that we were able to get down there because George and I were talking on the Outlaw Blitz, uh, which is also going to be out today, that Life is too short, and when Lisa passed uh, back in January, I said the day she passed that I would get there this year, and it was my number one bucket list thing, and I made it happen. So for that, I'm proud of myself, and um, I just feel that I am completely and utterly happy about it. Again, Jimmy will be on next week. It'll be a bit of a different show. We'll go back and forth. He's going to talk about his love of Elvis, where his um, love was developed from, and then we'll recap our trip again from his point of view and talk a little bit more. But again, for everybody who wants to see, um, I will post some pictures on the I'm sorry on the um, TCB with HW3 Facebook page. And um, one funny thing, G Mac, you can turn your mic off for a second. I sent you a movie poster for Viva Las Vegas. Yes, you did. And um, did you notice anything about that movie poster? I looked at it like 17 times. I'm like, what the 
frig is he sending me this movie poster for? And then I I don't know if the phone was upside down, whatever it was. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute, he's in it. <laughs> I looked at the thing so many times before I realized you were actually in the movie poster. Yeah, there's there's a really cool section in the Elvis Presley's Memphis Park the museums where it's interactive. You can get in one of the golf carts and drive around the, the grounds of Graceland. This was one of the interactive things. And another one was you could put yourself in a jumpsuit or in a movie poster. Jimmy tried the jumpsuit. It looked kind of hokey. But I'm like, oh, let me do the poster. So I went through and I found Viva Las Vegas, which I love the movie. We'll be talking about that shortly. And you tap the screen. You kind of get back and you position yourself and you're looking. And I'm like, ah. And I make a funny face and point and it snapped. And I'm like, I hope that comes out pretty good. And I thought it came out great. I love it. In fact, I will definitely be posting that on the uh, TCB with the HW3 page. You know what it was? Is it was so busy. Yeah. You blended right into it. It looked good. It looked natural could, I'm almost. like, I, if I didn't just happen to look <laughs> at it a different way and catch your fate, I was like, oh, my God, he's in it. Yeah. I would have never known. No, it was it was cool, man. It was, it was fun. Um, it's cool that they made it interactive because – for a lo- there were a lot of people there that I could hear the um, children talking with their parents, who clearly were there because they were Elvis fans. But you could see them experience it and become fans as they went through the exhibits, which which was great. Um, the gift shops were crazy. I didn't buy a whole lot because if honestly, if you want anything, they're on the website. I did come home with a hat. I did come home with a uh, PCB tote, which was super handy at the airport and uh, some gifts for the boys and for my wife. And uh, yeah, man, it was, it was phenomenal. It was, uh, I got a cool hat. You got a cool hat from the, from the Memphis Redbirds. I I did have a question earlier. If you could touch on it for a second. Sure. Uh, You said how he inspired other um, entertainers. Right. I always thought that evil Knievel was inspired by Elvis. The jumpsuit. Yes. Yeah. It was funny, and I didn't know if they made reference to that or if, what your opinion on that was. I totally agree. I think it's just it's the right era. The look is exactly what a lot of those jumpsuits look like. I, I totally agree. Well, actually, I'm going to do some research for the next for next week and see if that's actually the case. But a lot of modern day country guys, Kid Rock had a whole display there um, of stuff he had worn. Kiss, all four of the members of Kiss, they had full costumes of theirs there, just because of its outlandish stage wear. Um, but some was like really like spot on. Dolly Parton's dresses were very, very similar to a lot of the early jumpsuits he wore. Reba McIntyre. Um it was cool. And I would say out of there was probably fifty or sixty celebrities uh, outfits there that, that he had had an effect on. And each one had a little quote next to it by, you know, what his effect on them wa- was and why they chose to wear that. So it, it was cool. And the automobiles were crazy. The cars were insane. Um, Cadillacs, Rolls Royces. My two favorite, the Stutz Bearcat and the Stutz Blackhawk were there. Um, he had a Lincoln, Mark whatever, I don't know what the number is. Purple with custom white leather interior with the TCBs embroidered into the front seats and EP into the back seats. It was sweet-ass car. Uh, he had a Scout. He had golf carts. He had mini golf cart racer or mini go-karts that he had drove around the house that were all there um millions and millions of dollars worth of cars there beautiful cars beautiful but it was great so um we'll talk more about the trip 
uh, next week when Jimmy is on the show. And for now, we will move on to the next section, which will be uh, the movie review. You got to help me out here, buddy, because oh. we skipped the whole part. We did? Welcome to my world. Ah, that one at the beginning of this. <laughs> you you got to let the guy run on the board my know what bad. we're doing. I was so excited to get into the story that we missed the Welcome to My World song. So we're moving into movie review of Viva Las Vegas. There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there. They're all living the devil may care. I'm just a devil with love to spare. So, Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas! In 1964, Viva Las Vegas made its theatrical debut. Uh, it's critically one of Elvis's greatest films. Uh, it was number the, the number 14 grossing film in all of 1964, making just over almost $9.5 million in the box office. Starring Elvis as Lucky Jackson and his absolutely stunningly beautiful co-star and Margaret as Rusty Martin. Uh, Elvis is lucky as Lucky Jackson is a race car driver. He is in Vegas to run a Grand Prix race in his Maserati and he needs to replace the engine. And as you would happen to have happened to Lucky, he's not so lucky. He loses all of his money in a Vegas pool. Suck right down the filter. Goodbye. So he takes a job at one of the hotels to recoup the money, and uh, and Margaret, as Rusty, is a swim instructor at the hotel, and he falls for her. So now there's the side story, which becomes the main story of their. Um, she had absolute disdain for him in the beginning, and of course she becomes she becomes enamored with uh, Lucky. Lucky wins the race and gets the girl, as in pretty much every Elvis movie. Um. But again, like I said, critically, it was one of his best films. The soundtrack is phenomenal. Viva Las Vegas, one of the top, uh, one of the top songs off of all of his movie soundtracks. Um, another one, The Lady Loves Me. If you looked it up on YouTube, it is a duet he does with Anna Margaret, which is also very good. And she absolutely, with another man on the screen, probably not as prominent as Elvis, could have overtaken that movie very easily. Um, she was in her prime. She's a gorgeous redhead who can dance, who can sing, who can act. And um, the movie itself, it moves It's it moves at a pretty good pace. Um, their dance scenes are great. The, the music scenes are great. This is probably my number three. But behind Jailhouse Rock is one and Change of Habit is two. And I would give this a solid 8.3 lightning bolts. So this is one to check out. Um, again, the star power with Anna Margaret in it is great. They remained um, lifelong friends. She actually flew to and remained at Graceland during his whole um, uh, funeral service. She was she was flown in by the family. They were that close. There was rumors of relationship over the years. Confirmed, unconfirmed, not really sure. Not my business, but I know they remained really good friends, and uh, she went on to one heck of a career herself. So... Check it out, Viva Las Vegas, 1964. Great movie. Moving on to my song review. I'm so 
Hurt, originally written in 1954 by Jimmy Crane, originally performed by Timmy Euro, was a big hit. Um, one of my personal favorites, uh, maybe my favorite. Um, the, the emotion, the raw emotion in his voice, that's why I wanted the whole song to play this week. That was from his last um, televised, televised special in 1977. His voice had matured quite a bit quite a bit deeper, very operatic at times. Um, the end run itself uh, was amazing. And if you can watch this video, I, I urge you to go on YouTube and type in um, Elvis Presley Hurt 1977. There's a couple different videos out there. There's one that's in um, uh, high def, four, what is it, 4K. That has um, been retouched up in a little bit, but the audio... If you can just see his, see the emotion and the pain on his face as he sings the song, um, it was he was hurt. He was a he was a very unhealthy man at this point in his life. Um, he was near the end. He didn't know it, or maybe he did. Um, he was a very religious man, and this song spoke to me um, through the emotion he poured into the song itself. It was very very emotional. Um, again, it was released originally in May 1st, 70. It was recorded in May 1st, 76 at Graceland in the Jungle Room. RCA actually brought the studio to him because he was not well enough to travel to the studio. So they brought it to him and they turned the Jungle Room into a studio where he recorded the album from Memphis Presley Boulevard, Memphis, Tennessee. This was one of the tracks. Um, Felton Jarvis was the producer on the uh, arrangement and it was eventually released on April 3rd of that year. So if you can look at it, um, it was recorded on April 3rd. I'm sorry, recorded on April 3rd, but released on May 1st. It was a very short turnaround time for when it got released. Um, he performed it for the first time live just week, just six weeks after the recording, and it became a staple of his set up until his death. Um, so if anybody can please, again, I ask you if you check out one thing this week from the show, shoot over to YouTube. And enjoy um, his singing of this song. Again, it is one of the more um, gut-wrenching, emotional songs he sings later in his career. Um, a lot of his personal angst, um, a lot of hurt in his life with the loss of his marriage and not seeing his daughter nearly probably quietly as much as, he, as what much as he would want to. It all comes through, through his facials, through his singing of the song. 
And um, yeah, <laughs> not much else to say other than it's an amazing, amazing vocal job by Elvis on the sh- on the song. It, it is it, true ten lightning bolts. There's no way around that. He just was in perfect tune and sounded phenomenal. Um, so that's going to be that. But two weeks from now, we will be uh, recording again, episode four. Uh, Jimmy Williams will be in house with me as my first guest. We will go over in length again. We'll touch on the trip a bit. We will talk about his uh, his childhood, where Elvis became uh, a big, important part of his life, and just to show that I'm I'm not alone out there. I know there's a world, a big wide world of us. I saw thousands of us down there in Memphis this past Saturday who enjoy this, who love this, who um, hold it near and dear to our hearts. So for now. This is HW3. This has been TCB with HW3. And for now, Highland has left the building. Thank you and good night.